It's July 12th and it's Infinity Rewatch. That's the name of the show you're watching slash listening to slash falling asleep to right now. I'm a scroll pretending to be Andrew Fantasia and I'm joined by another scroll pretending to be Ryan J. Whitehead. What is up indeed? The scrolls have invaded. They have, but you know what? We're invading for a good reason. All we want to do is control all of the Cracker Barrel restaurants. That's it. That's all we want. You guys can have everything else. We're just here for Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel. <laughs> I don't think I've have I I can't remember if I've been to a Cracker Barrel. Are I know I definitely are have you not. A pickle Barrel, and you're confusing the cheese with the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> no, I'm definitely talking about Cracker Barrel, which is apparently an American institution. I've never mm. been to one, but uh, okay. it's all over the states. They love it. It's like the most. Woohoo! I'm American kind of food you could possibly eat. That's just from that sounds like my kind of food, which is American comfort. <laughs> yeah, apparently they have a thing called sugar glazed ham, Ryan, and it's exactly what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I <laughs> yeah, I there's a place I went to, and their sides were not like the most common sides I've been to at like an American restaurant. Like I'm used to like fries or salad. Like those are like the common sides you get with like majority of meals that you would go out to eat. Yeah. Um, or just like pasta and salad kind of thing. Uh, and when I went to the States, the, the one most common thing they're like, do you want like corn and mashed potatoes? And I'm like, hmm. no. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the fries? What happened to the fries? Did I ever tell you the story of Earl the Marine? No. When I went to the States, I was uh, I was going to Ohio. This was back in 2018. And uh, I stopped at this place for breakfast. And it was, I wasn't in like, you know, the deep south. I was literally near the border in a wooded, just the middle of the woods, really, uh, highway in like upstate New York or upstate um, maybe Pennsylvania or something. And uh, I stopped at this little diner and they had another side there. That was very common there that I've never had here, which is biscuits and gravy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Apparently that is a big, you know, American thing. And I've never had that before. So I have this breakfast and then she brings it and I'm trying this stuff. And all the while there's this guy who's sitting in the restaurant as well. And he's kind of carrying this air about him. Like he's the kind of guy who he doesn't work here, but he's just here every day. Because like he knows all the servers and they know him, whatever. And... uh I, I'm overhearing their conversation because I like to eavesdrop when I'm at restaurants and just watch people listen to see what they're all about. And this guy, he talks like this. He talks like a real down home American guy. And he's like an older fella. And at one point they're setting up a table and he decides to just help the server set up a table. And uh, he's like, feel like I'm setting up for a tea party here. And the waitress <laughs> says, uh, have you, have you ever uh, had a tea party back uh, when you used to work? Right. He's like, or oh, sorry, Ray. His name's not Ray. His name's Earl, because that's important. She's like, Earl, have you ever set up for a tea party? He's like, not in the Marine Corps, we didn't. Uh, so I'm entertained throughout my breakfast by Earl the Marine. And when the waitress comes to ask me how my food is, uh, I say, you know, this is really good. I've never had this particular side before, because I'm from Canada and we don't have that. And then across the restaurant, I wasn't speaking loudly, but he heard me. And Earl turns, <laughs> and all I see is Earl turn to look at me, and he's like, Biscuits and gravy, good stuff. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my god, 
It's, he sounds like a G.I. Joe. <laughs> he does. I got the stamp of approval from Earl the Marine. Um, Earl, if you're out there. You, I will tell you really quick, though, before oh. we get into our show today. Um, I, my only Marine story that I have, I think it was in a Marine. He was like in the Navy. But I went to Florida for the first time by myself to meet up with my friends. Um, I've never, this is the first time I've ever traveled uh, by myself to go meet up with friends. Um, I've always traveled with family, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And the first guy I see, he's like smoking in like the bus waiting area. And uh, a bus marshal comes by and she's like, she's like, hey, you can't smoke here. And he was wearing like a Navy shirt. And he had like this Navy tat on his arm. Like he is the most like commercial looking Marine kind of Navy guy you can think of. Yeah. And he just takes the cigarette and he just puts it out on his hand. He's just like, <laughs> and I'm just like, I, I, I would never want to be that person to tell him to put his cigarette out. Cause he's literally just like dead stare. Just like. <laughs> yeah. Brave soul. Brave soul. That man. Yeah. was a, <laughs> he and earl should meet yeah that's, that's the avengers crossover i want to see they got the they got some stories to share for sure yeah they'll have a tea party they'll have some biscuits and gravy it's going to be great they'll they can put out their cigarettes in the tea um a long time ago ryan on this very show on infinity rewatch we we talked once about uh who we thought were the most attractive women in the mcu mm -hmm. uh, this was back uh I think this was pre-COVID. I remember sitting on your couch and having this discussion with you. Um, and if I remember right, you said the Wasp, I think. She was one I of them. She was one of them. She was one of like your top three. Mm -hmm. um, do you remember who I said was my number one? Uh, <laughs> give me a minute. Oh, man. I want to say it's ScarJo. No. Not ScarJo. Not ScarJo. I don't remember. Okay, I'll give you a line that she says, and you'll know who it is. <laughs> do you want me to try to do her voice, or do you want me to just say the line? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the. I feel like you need to sell the whole thing, so you gotta. You gotta do the voice. Okay, let me do the voice. <clears throat> I think it works. Is it? I think. Oh yeah, Haley Atwell. Yeah, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. So I bring her up because uh, this afternoon I went to go see Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I heard it's amazing. It is, but I need to see it again because she's a main character and she is so flippin' beautiful, Ryan, that literally there were parts of the plot I missed because I was too busy staring into her eyes. <laughs> and that is not a joke. They, th there's a big complicated discussion going on between her and like five other characters and they're all like, we have the, the device we need. We got to do this. We have to go make this sale and our mission is good. And I'm just like, whatever you say, Haley. I, I'll, what, what, okay, let's go. Let's go find the nukes. Let's go right now. I, I, I missed so much plot and I don't think that's happened to me before, but I'm putting it on the record here. Haley Atwell is one of the most beautiful women mm -hmm. in Hollywood. And I don't want to spoil anything, Ryan. This is not a spoiler, but I feel like they may be setting up for her to be the new main character when Tom Cruise is done with Mission Impossible. I don't know. But Ooh, I mean, how many more Mission Impossibles are they going to make? <laughs> apparently, the next one is his last one. Question apparently. Mark. Apparently. Mm. So I like the idea of her 
character being groomed to kind of take over the main protagonist spot, because mm -hmm. that just means more Haley in my life. I will say that uh, one thing that I am excited about that movie is Palm. Uh, Palm playing this kind of like French mime assassin, <laughs> just like so for it. Mm. I love I love colorful looking assassins, and especially yes. that kind of look is just it's so good. I'm There's one fan. one of the scenes she literally looks like Harley Quinn. Oh yes, no, yeah. I'm all for it. I, I need to see it. I am still I'm very behind in movies. I've been having a running joke with my coworker uh, Rav where he's asked me to watch Avatar The Way of Water for like months since it came out. And I had just watched it last weekend. It was painful. I didn't enjoy it. Oh no. Uh, you didn't believe in The Way of Water? I didn't. I don't think it needed a half an hour scene showing me why a kid needs to befriend the whale in a free willy like experience. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm too bitter as, as, as Isabella and I talked about today. Maybe we're too bitter towards the movie, but long story short, I haven't seen Mario yet. I haven't seen the Mario movie. <laughs> I haven't seen Indiana Jones yet. I'm really behind. Wow. I know. I know. Are you going to do Barbenheimer? Barbenheimer? Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I want to. I want to do that. And I want to see Barbie. I mean, that well, that's Barbenheimer. You got to watch them both. Oh, Barbie, that's right. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was just the play on Oppenheimer. Yeah, Barbenheimer. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it was funny. I, I still have this hilarious video where the guy's like, um, the guy's like, oh, you know, a lot of people have been asking me as a you know, film critic, like, oh, these two movies are coming out at the same time, you know, and it's always really important to watch a certain one first so it doesn't, you know, you know, dilute your critic, uh, your critic towards the second one. And he's like, so which one are you going to see first? And he's like, I have to see this one that's like really embedded in American history. And it really like changed the whole thing. And he went into like a minute long explanation about it. But in the end, he's like, that's why I'm going to go see Barbie first. But yeah, I got to respect that. I'm going to do it the other way around because I feel like Oppenheimer is going to bum me out. Oh, yeah. Like there's oh, no yeah. way that movie has a happy ending. So it, it's going to be a depressing three hours. So I feel like you do a matinee of that. You go, you have a nice lunch, you cheer yourself up with some food and then you go and you cheer yourself up even more with Barbie. You know, I never, I never thought about doing it that way, but like watching a matinee and then coming out for like a nice restaurant meal break and then going back in for, I've never, I've, I've done one double feature in my life. One. What was it? It was, oh man, I know the second one. I can't remember the first one. Uh, I think it, I know the second one was Deadpool. It was, it, I was with Isabella, but we saw two movies that day and one of them was Deadpool. I Let's can't remember see. what the other one was. I bet you we can figure this out right now because if I look up when Deadpool came out, I can find out what else was out around that time. Uh, I want to say it was, was it, it was in wrong time. It came out February, 2016. Mm-hmm. So let me see here. 2016. Came out around Valentine's Day, I think. You're right. Yeah. Because it was a romantic movie. 2016 in film. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna solve this mystery right now. Mm -hmm. um, see how I'm keeping it Marvel with the Yeah. So around that time, the biggish movies that were out were Ride Along to Norm of the North, Dirty Grandpa, Kung Fu Panda 3. Nope. Fifty Shades of Black. That doesn't seem real. Um, Hail Caesar. 
Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? It was Hail Caesar. It was Hail Caesar? It was Hail Caesar. There you go. Because we love the uh, we love the trailer where they do the if it if it were so simple. Ah, uh-huh. like twer. Why do you guys say like twer twer? <laughs> he's like, I want that word to end. Just to get to the end. He's like, just say it twer twer. If twer so simple, and then then that became a running joke between Isabel and I, where we'd be like, oh, we have to go do this. And I'd be like, if it were so simple. <laughs> But actually, speaking of Deadpool, uh, big news in the Marvel world. We got to see the first look at uh, Hugh Jackman's comic book accurate Wolverine costume. Buddy, that yellow is perfection. (laughs) It is everything I could have ever dreamed of. Honestly, it looks so good. I, you know, and it's, it's one thing to, it's one thing to challenge how they're going to do it like because it's like don't get me wrong i totally kind i i don't want to say i agree with but i totally see when the original x-men movie was like what do you prefer yellow spandex because at the time even up until a certain point with mcu where it's like how do you do a comic accurate accurate outfit and it's like okay captain america crushed it like you know Mm -hmm. iron man crushed it uh bucky crushed it um uh song chi crushed it like they found a way to do really good deadpool daredevil like the list goes on they found great ways to do these comic accurate costumes especially spider-man spider-man's not an easy one to do either yeah and they um, they nailed spider-man and they did it in three different ways which they is na- yeah not only do they nail it they they uh, they they just did variations of it in so many different ways and they all looked fantastic yeah um or spectacular Amazing. Uh, <laughs> but, still, but one of the hardest ones to translate would have been Wolverine's because of yeah. the yellow and blue. And not only that, is like he's got the uh, he's got the blue undies, you know, like his outfit would be by far the hardest to pull off. But now that I saw this photo, I'm just like I, I kind of wish I didn't, but it was just it's one of those things where it was completely unavoidable. Like I, I the way I discovered it was my coworker and I were were working on a project, and I look over at his screen when we were talking, and he had the picture, and I was like, "Dude, no, I don't want to see that!" Like, because I would have loved like I, I'll wait for a trailer because the trailer is going to sell me on it, right? But like, to be honest, I shouldn't I shouldn't even been mad at him because literally like hours later it was like the whole internet was polluted, and I I emphasize the word polluted with that image. They blew up the internet and it's, I love that. I love that, that the fact that it blew up the internet because I got, and I don't mean this in like a spiteful mean way, but I would just love to look at this reaction that the internet had and then just kind of hold it up and turn to the costume designer of the previous X-Men movies and be like, what do you got to say? What do you got to say for yourself? Yes, Uh, I do prefer yellow spandex. Yes, apparently. And I mean, it's funny how people keep jumping to spandex because I get it. I assume in early golden years of comics, it was drawn to be spandex. But Well, you know why, right? Why they drew it to be like spandex? Yeah. No. Because they're based on Olympians. That's right. Where like the the unitard spandex and yeah. and but also Olympians were super athletic. So when they demonstrated these epic feats of performance, 
Uh, that's what they would capture for comp. That's what comic book artists would capture. It's just like, you know, like, you know, like the high jump pose of like superheroes or sorry, the high jump pose that Olympians would do be perfect to for drawing for superheroes just because of the unique movements they have and like same with like shot put where they're like throwing the throwing thing you could just see that the the muscle tones and everything which really created great shapes and the 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 spandex that they would wear for these olympic events they were bright colorful and uh, uh you know again just made them look stronger bigger faster all those different things that's right. You're absolutely right, man. The the Olympians. That's right. I forgot about that. And that I I guess nobody. And when I say nobody, I mean costume designers. Nobody thought outside the box and said because obviously you put spandex on a human being in front of the camera, it's going to look flat. If the actor is not in peak athletic shape, the spandex is just going to sag and it's not going to contour to the body the way that it does in a comic book panel, right? So. Mm -hmm you're gonna end up with something that doesn't look good, but I'm so shocked that none of them thought of creative ways to implement those costumes until the MCU came along and they found that magic formula of like Captain America's suit where it's like, okay, some parts of it are gonna be leather, some parts cloth, some parts like hard plastic, like motorcycle body armor kind of thing. And it's all gonna be the right colors, but it's going to fit and it's going to have uh, shape to it and contouring to it. That's all those details. That's why all these MCU costumes are so detailed because it kind of gives it, it's like when you, for people who paint miniatures, mm -hmm. there's people who paint miniatures and they just paint the broad strokes colors. And I think that still looks fine too, but there's people who go really deep into it and they're like, they paint the shadows and they're like, okay, this miniature is always going to be lit from this side, according to how I painted it, because on this side of Wolverine's face is going to have shadows. And that's what the new costumes do they go to that level of detail and that looks great on camera. Uh, Absolutely. So it took a long time for us to get here. What is it, 20, 23 years of Wolverine before we finally had him in his suit? So. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, it's it's a good it's a good time to be alive for comic books. <laughs> for sure. I'll tell you what it's not a good time to be alive for is uh, Talos and his family. <laughs> they are not doing well, man. They are just no. No, they are not. Uh, so episode four, the mm -hmm. shortest of the bunch so far. Uh, and it also had something interesting. You know the Marvel Studios logo at the beginning? Mm -hmm. um, this is the shortest it's ever been. Normally yeah. it's about 30 to 35 seconds. Like that's it's a long, long logo. This one just came like really quickly. And usually they show um, little bits of script in yeah. the Marvel logo. Like they'll show Steve saying... Uh, I, could, I think it says I could do this all day or something and Groot's lines. But this one, I couldn't tell who the line was from, but they just found a line with the word secret in it and just zoom, and it goes by like that because the logo went in, came and went so fast, but they are doing fun new things with the logo. And I like that. I like when that happens. It reminds me of not to, I mean, I know you said you didn't see it yet, so I'm not going to spoil anything, but it reminds me of what they do with the Indiana Jones logo with the mountain every movie there's something different with that you know no it's true uh i just watched the last crusade not not too long ago which is i think it's my favorite indiana jones film. same man um it, no i'm pretty sure it is for me it's i i really debate because raiders is equally as good um but i just something about last crusade for me just just rubs me the right way and just gets me all heart like warm warm-hearted 
Um, yeah, no, it's honestly, this show is interesting. Um, I, I think Secret Invasion just won me over this episode. I would definitely say this, this was the most entertaining episode for me in terms of like actually getting a lot of enjoyment out of it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's interesting because like, I definitely feel the Marvel formula coming into play where, you know, it's a lot of stage building and setting the table and then four and five, sorry, four does something cool. And then five and six is just like completely off the chains and answering all your questions. And, and again, it's great, but I don't like this walking dead formula. It's like, why can't we just find a good pace? and keep it going like you know like find a good way to do it hawkeye was pretty close uh, but hawkeye i think hawkeye you couldn't done you couldn't have done it any better um because because it's just the way it plays out but this 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 episode you know this kind of eerie spy thriller suspense um is kind of hit its peak and now everything is it's kind of like the domino effect right it's like all these pieces were slowly placed as the as the episodes progressed in episode four someone just went and then now they're all all the pieces are falling over and and the the whole pacing now is finally picking up and it's like okay and it's it's interesting now because all these questions are finally being answered and it's like but now i'm kind of waiting for what the big drop is because i don't think we're quite there yet we 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 in this episode we did get the super scrolls um in in full form here but like we're not something bigger is dropping soon. I, I could be wrong, but I definitely think there's another big drop. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the show to tell me why it exists. Right? I'm still yeah. waiting to answer that question. Why did we make why do we tell this story? Why are we telling Secret Invasion? And I'm I'm sure once we get past the final episode, I'll have the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. The pacing thing is interesting because this is episode four. And out of six. Out of six. And it's the third one that ends with a character being killed. Um, and we started off with one of those deaths being a fake out because uh, Gaia is alive and well and green. So, yeah, that's actually exactly where I wanted to go with this next part of the conversation here is that for that was a big topic that we left off with last time. We had kind of an epiphany moment. Um, and, yeah, so it was a big question of, is Gaia still alive? And, of course, she is. And they kind of set it up in a way that, it, it, you know, it kind of makes – and I kind of love when shows do this. It's a love-hate thing, but I kind of love when shows do this where it's like, okay, clearly she's going to be alive. And then you're kind of like, wait, is she going to be alive? And then you kind of start to doubt yourself and then they do this and, and you're just like, clearly she's going to be alive and you kind of feel like an idiot because you should have known. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's kind of predictable, but, but again, it was cool. To, it was still a good way to be done, but yeah, she's still alive, but it's, but still leaves the opportunity for us to find out who, um, who is she uh, imitating? Yeah, thankfully it doesn't negate any of those uh, juicy little Abigail brand theories that we had last week. But mm -hmm. it is, uh, it, it was a shock, like, okay, a shock, but also like, yeah, you're right. A lot of these deaths we can't trust. That's why we don't do the cemetery on the show until it's over. <laughs> because, until the very, very end. Yeah, I'm not going through the process of calling the cemetery and getting Maria Hill's name engraved on anything 
until I know that body is cold and real. Till the, so, the till the post credit sequence of the entire series is rolled, then exactly. Even the first five minutes of the Marvels would be like, yeah. surprise, Maria's back. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I paid for a tombstone. Um, so Gaia's fine. She's a super scroll now. Um, and that it's interesting that that's the last we see of her in this episode. Uh, well, she goes to see Talos. That's right. That's right. I totally forgot about that scene. Um, she goes to see Talos, but she's a super scroll now. So, I mean, you know. The, the box has been checked. Mm-hmm. But, uh, what's interesting here is I didn't I didn't invest fully into the characters until this episode because Fury and Talos are kind of on the heels here. Like they're on they're they're in the corner at this point. And I love the conversation. I think what really wins in this episode over everything else is the dial. Um, there's a lot of really good dialogue in this episode. And, you know, what I like about Gaia's story in this in this part of the episode and why I love this episode so much is she goes, look, like, I feel like I belong. I feel like I belong with you, you know, being Talos. Um, and she goes, uh, but uh, Gravik, I feel like his plan will work. Like she believes in this plan and she's like, cause he will get us a home. He's going to get it. How do, how do you plan on doing it? Right. And I love Talos' story. Talos' pitch is like, look, if we continue to be, you know, uh, if we continue to be good and, you know, live up to our word and be humble, like, Hey, once we get up to the present be like, Hey, we saved you, you know, we deserve something. And then she's like, she just doesn't accept the idea that like she, does like they'll have to live as humans in in this earth kind of thing with their own little area and i love that she walks away she she legit admitted that she belongs with talos because she knows talos is a good person but the path to get there is wrong and it doesn't work and this is this is kind of like a new angle to kind of a protagonist storyline where there's two there's two parts to the protagonist now, which is the protagonist's belief and the protagonist's actions. And um, and yeah, they fully acknowledge this, you're a good person, but your past is, doesn't work. And I, I want to see more of those kind of stories now. Like that's a great way to do it. Those are fun, man. Those are fun. They're complex. They're really, really uh, the, the the divergent paths these characters could take. They get really juicy when you get down to stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Talos's plan, like just hearing him say it out loud, it already sounded doomed to fail. Like it already it sounded did. naive, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, just go up to the president and be like, hey, we saved your life. Uh, so give us, a, give us a home, give us amnesty. Um, you know, ne- notwithstanding all the stuff Fury tells him on the train in episode two, where he's like, humans can't stop killing each other. There's no way they're going to accept, you know, scrolls. Uh, you know, take away all of that, and you're still left with the fact that he thinks that they will be given some kind of special thank you gift or something from the president for saving him. But look at the Avengers, how many times they've saved the world. They haven't really gotten squat from the governments of the world for what they've done. If anything, they're being hounded by the governments. You got the Sokovia Accords, you got people not trusting them, you got conflict you got thunderbolt ross up their ass all the time uh so 
when you hear Taylor say those things, you got to think like, doesn't he know better? He's friends with Nick. Wouldn't Nick have told him like, man, my friends, the Avengers, they, you know, America chewed them up and spat them out. They didn't care how many times they saved our planet. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know why Talos thought that that would work. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, I think it's, it's, this is a good, this is a good path to go on because, because you look at civil war, civil war really set the groundwork for what even the scrolls are going to go through, which is like, you have a bunch of superhuman beings who continually ignore borders and just, you know, exert their power wherever they feel like it. And like, you know, it's like, that's dangerous. That's extremely dangerous. And thus, thus kicking off of like where Wanda should be imprisoned. Right. Like, you know, like, uh, Stark's like, look, like she's locked in the compound. She cannot leave because she's dangerous to society. And then Cap's like, that's not living. Like that's, she's not living. And thus, you know, the whole thing. And the same thing, like with the scrolls, like this is, this is a beautiful compliment to civil war and, and the world of the MCU right now. And it, I think it's kind of a perfect mixture to kind of get the mutant story talking, like get that mutant yeah. story started because there's a huge distrust uh, of superhuman beings in the world of the MCU, a huge distrust of it. And, and it's going to lead to more repercussions easily. Especially now this, the Gravix people have made it harder for Talos's people to get the amnesty that they want because now all the politicians and everything, they're going to be like, holy cow, look what that graphic guy just did. He just turned half root and did all this super stuff. I'm going to assume all of you scrolls can do that. I don't like this. Yeah. Right? Uh, Ex- it's- yeah, exactly. It's And it's like, but scrolls are even more dangerous because they could be anyone. Yeah. And that, so clearly Talos's plan is, is like you said, like the second he started talking, you, the more, the more time you start talking, the, the more you could see it was going to fail. It was going to fail easily. And so like, it's not going to work. So, so Gaia is in a rough spot. She's, she's not, she can't be on either side. One side she doesn't, she knows is wrong. Cause obviously Gravik tried to kill her now and, and she just, she's onto him. Then you have the other side. So where does she go? She might, uh, I'm feeling she's going to end up going to uh, our friend Olivia Coleman with MI6 and maybe working with her because she was suspiciously absent this week. Um, so I don't know. There, I think something might be brewing with, with the two of them. Uh, and then you got, sorry, go. No, I was going to say it's tough. It's uh, it's a tough move. I don't know if I don't know if Coleman's the right way to go too. She does. She needs to have a thorough understanding of scrolls and not a not a let's be friends kind of way. That's true. Yeah, she's not uh, she's not somebody you want to get on the wrong side of. And I feel like Gaia going there would kind of be dangerous. But Gaia seems brave, and now she's got the powers, so she might mm-hmm. be able to handle herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other hand, you have Priscilla Priscilla Fury, who um, first of all that poem that she read talk about like the meaning of life, man. Isn't that a beautiful poem? I've never heard this poem before, but just like, what, what do you want out of life to be beloved and to say I was beloved? Like that's what more, what more is there to life? Am I right? Uh, what more is there to living? Honestly. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's, 
it's the most simplistic yet hardest thing to achieve. Yeah. It's a beautiful story though. Um, and to tell it in such a short period of time for a character who's supposed to be a, around for a very long time, uh, to tell it in such a short way of time, this is what good storytelling is all about. Like this is another example of connecting with the character. I gotta say, first of all, we got the, one of the big answers in the show is that Rhodey is in fact a scroll. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was kind of like, it's kind of like, oh snap, like here we go. <laughs> um, I and again, if Fury or sorry, if Rhodey is if Rhodey is now a scroll, when did the switch happen? Is a big question. When did it happen, and how much damage has been done? I really hope um, it was after Endgame, man. That's all I hope. Sometime after Endgame. Yeah, I, I feel the same as well. It's got to be. It's got to be sometime after Endgame. Um, the the other thing too is is that Rhodey couldn't walk properly for most of all the way up till endgame and even even after endgame he had the the i think he still had the braces that help him walk but uh like because i i'm trying to remember in falcon and winter soldier when he talks to uh when he talks to falcon um now captain america he's just like talking about the shield i don't know if he was like fully walking there like you know what i mean like walking yeah. Did he have a cane, maybe, or something? I don't know. It's tough to say. Like, but we also don't know how far his recovery is along, too. So I, I don't know if you're right, you're wrong. I don't know if it's before Endgame or after. I do agree with you. I think, I think, in order to leave Endgame completely intact, even the despite Fury having this backstory, um, you need to leave certain events alone especially if a character played a key role in those events. Mm -hmm. Like Fury didn't play a key role in Endgame as much. He played a key role after Endgame. So you can play around with a character like him and, and you can play around with the story a bit. But yeah, to interfere with Rhodey, you know, or, or a key Avenger character like Thor is a perfect example. If you played around with Thor, then you ruin any and all journey he had in in the entire infinity war endgame run right you just dismiss it and that would really suck i'm i'm glad it's times like this that i'm glad i'm not a hardcore fan of the comics because i feel like all of those revelations in the secret invasion comic would have really upset me it's this is a hard story to do and mm -hmm. and honestly the other thing that really worries me about the story is the scale of of supporting characters that is required to tell the story and th and there's a huge lack thereof in this story in fact yes. that roadie is like one thing but like they're still missing a ton of people and basically the question is how is this going to be solved this is not i don't know if this this show is going to end with like some sort of conclusion like it's just gonna like maybe fury will have some like fury will walk away with something but I don't think it's going to solve this problem. It's too big. I don't know. I mean, God, I wish we knew just a vague idea of the plot of the Marvels. Like, we know they get switched around every time they use their powers, but we don't know what they're trying to accomplish, you know, what, what the problem is that they're trying to solve. Um, I have a feeling it's not going to tie into this as much as we would like it to. Well, the, 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 the scrolls haven't even mentioned the Kree all that much in this show. No, they haven't. I, I don't think I've heard the Kree once in the show. 
I don't think Gravik and his people care about the Kree right now. I think they're just like, hey, this place has Cracker Barrels. We want it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw a rumor today on Twitter, I think, that um, something about Fury needing to call for help and that he might call Daisy Johnson to the stand to help him out. I would love for her to come back. Oh my god! Yeah, she was pretty cool. Not Chloe gonna Bennett, I think her name is. Yeah, Chloe Bennett. So maybe, maybe that's a thing we can look forward to uh, in Secret Invasion. But yeah, he's running out of allies. Talos is gone. I guess he'll have Gaia on his side because I feel like I feel like Fury would know better than Talos. So even though she walked away from her dad, I feel like she might kind of go to Fury and be like, you know better. You know that's not how it's going to go down. So let me just help you take care of Gravik and get him out of the way. So she might go to Fury for help. Um, but he's going to need more than that. He's going to need something, something big. I wouldn't be surprised if um, the next episode is about finding the real Rhodey. It's tough to say because I mean, there's still so many chips on the the field here. I mean, like you still have to solve the story of the, what happens to the president. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's that's the other thing too is that there's a kind of a cold war going on with with United States and uh, with Russia again um, in this particular story, and so there's that that needs to be resolved but you're right there's still a big why there's still a big why that's not being it's why is this story being told that's like not i don't even know how they're going to get to that conclusion i'm going to feel like an idiot once that like all the pieces are in play i'm sure but like i don't know dude i don't know if we're gonna not i don't know if we're gonna get that till the end because then you can do big payoffs like roadies there and then do an end credit sequence where it turns out Gaia's, you know, the person that she's in, uh, copying is Abigail Brand and Fury and her had a plan to put her in with that facility so that when the signal happens, they can like, she can like come out and save, start saving people. Like Ooh. there's, a, there's a thousand ways you could do it, but I don't know, man, that, to do it in episode five, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. They got a lot to wrap up in two episodes. They better not be as short as today's episode was. Um, no, but the other thing too is, is like, it's just like, it's, this goes back to what I would call like, um, I don't know how to say it, but like, essentially this goes back to a Marvel pattern. That's the word I would use where it's like, we forget that there's this a current story being told and we're too wrapped up in like, you know, Oh, I want Captain Britain to show up or I want mm-hmm. this to happen because like the truth be told is they're telling a critical story right now. There's a million scrolls living on planet Earth, and they've yes. been around for a long time. There's a cold war between, uh, or sorry, uh, tensions are extremely high between uh, United States and Russia. You know what I mean? Uh, Fury is come back, and we don't know why. So there's there's so many layers to the current story that's happening that like anything that we want to happen may not happen till like even the end or not at all. Like, I agree with you, Rhodey is something that needs to be concluded because he's a part of the story. But to be fair, it could be something as simple as Fury just like, I don't know, 
he's he's currently he's currently on the rise to get back on his feet and, and be the fury that we know and love um but at this point is like yeah he needs to there's so many layers to the story he needs to solve and Rody could just be like the last thing that he saves like he saves everybody at the end and Rody comes out and shakes his hand yeah, that, that could very well be it, too. And I feel like the ending is going to be similar to the ending of Falcon and Winter Soldier. It feels like they're going to go that route where, you know... We need to trust each other and do better as people. Exactly, yeah. That, that kind of message where somebody, you know, they'll, they'll get rid of Gravik, Gravik will be killed, uh, and all the people of Earth will cheer and be like, wow, Nick Fury and your friends, you guys are heroes, you killed Gravik, and Fury's probably going to give some kind of speech where he's like, don't you cheer for me right now? Like, we made this guy. We made him because we made a promise to give him and his people a home and we didn't deliver on that promise and we, we treated him like dirt because they were different from us. That's that's why he killed so many people and turned into a, a super scroll. So don't cheer for me for killing him right now. This is this is our fault. We're the bad guys here. I think we're gonna get something like that. Yeah. Um and uh, depending on how they play it, it could be really powerful and really neat, and it would leave Fury in an interesting spot. We know he's probably going to survive because we saw him in the Marvels trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just a matter of what uh, what kind of person is he when he comes out the other end of this invasion. I think that um, I think what's interesting here is the pattern of of kind of what Black Widow does and a lot of other movies and and scenes she's been in or conflicts she's been in, where she'll she'll be at like the losing end to the last possible second, but that's what she wanted you to think mm-hmm. to get what she needs. And Fury, I feel is the same way. Like people just keep, you know, like you got nothing, you got nothing left. You're at wit's end, but that's what he wanted because then everyone shows their cards and then he's like, okay, now I'm going to, which exactly is what this episode did is like when he's at the last possible like the last possible step of like him being like completely useless and like out of everything's out of his control then you realize like oh hey he's listening to his wife's conversation to find out that roadie's you know a scroll and now he's like got all the pieces he needs to start uh use start beginning his counter attack to whatever the scrolls are doing yeah um and that was uh it, it happened really quickly didn't it like when Rody comes up in the church and he just rolls up and is like hey i'm bad um hey that... i'm bad you want to kill nick fury for me thanks <laughs> yeah uh don Cheadle plays it so well too he seems to whoever this scroll is he takes great delight in just being an asshole um i think taking... it's though because she it's, a, it's that's a, right it is a she that's a right scroll. whoever this lady is a very pretty scroll too mm-hmm. um I've never, I've never dated a scroll, but I mean, I would consider it a shapeshifter. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Every night it could be a different thing. Like, hey, can you be, be Raquel Welch tonight, honey? Then can yeah. you be Halle Berry tomorrow? Like, mm-hmm. that would be wow. I got to find myself a scroll. <laughs> uh, but yeah, whoever this scroll is, she really is. She seems like, like a sadistic, just mean, mean character. Like she revels in it. Gravik kind of approaches it from more of a like you hurt me so i'm gonna hurt you back whereas she's just like hey all right you're giving me a bottle of booze yeah here we go uh so it's funny and it's fun to see these different types of scrolls out there um Mm -hmm. and thankfully priscilla didn't do what he said or rather what she said priscilla did not kill her husband but we got that great little tense moment with the guns on the table 
So that scene's an incredible scene. Fun fact, though, I just had a kind of epiphany moment. What if Rhodey is uh, Queen Verunke? Ooh. Is Queen Verunke mean like that in the comics? Is she like a nasty lady? That? Okay. Oh, she's she's savage, man. She's pretty <laughs> bad. She's a pretty bad version. Um, but it makes sense because I mean she close she's the closest to the president. She's playing, she's uh she's picking someone who's very trustworthy. Um, trustworthy and a symbol of the United States because they turned War Machine into the Iron Patriot. And then now he's he's back to War Machine, but still he's a guy who earned the love of the US, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I don't know. There's, I think, I think there's, I think uh, there's a reason why they foreshadowed the fact that Rhodey's played by a lady scroll. That's true. Because otherwise, it's like, what else? Why else would you do that? Yeah, they made a a point. They really like spotlit it and mm-hmm. said, like, look at look at this scroll. She's really pretty. Um, she's having, she's, having a, she's enjoying uh, the American dream with the shower and a nice hotel. Yeah. A, a strange hotel. I don't know. I've never been to like a swanky, fancy hotel, so I don't know if this is normal. But I didn't know it was a hotel at first because he's got like a giant screen TV there that says "Welcome Colonel Rhodes" or like "Hello Colonel Rhodes," and I'm like, "That's a that's a hotel." When he says it, like I thought that was just his house, um, but uh, clearly I'm not wealthy enough. But I don't have any of that uh, Colonel money to throw around and go stay at these fancy places. Um, but yeah, I like this. I like the idea that that would be Queen Varanki. Um, it's 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 heavy foreshadowing. Like uh-huh. yeah, I, again, like maybe maybe the show's finally gotten me at my eyes, like to a point where I'm like, oh, something's going on there. But yeah, and I mean, like now that I think about it too, like the sassy behavior that Rhodey had in that scene with the drinks uh, is a big one. But going back to that scene. Uh, with Priscilla and uh, and Nick Fury's house. Did you see the book that Priscilla had that that was that she published? No, I did not. So they talked about how she she's a scientist, a doctor, um, uh-huh. and that you know she was dying of a heart condition or whatever. And uh, if you take a quick gander at the book, it says uh, it says uh, uh, the the superhuman gene. Uh, is is on the book so it would to tell you that she's a biologist now but what's interesting is is that normally we haven't really seen a superhuman we've seen a human get superhuman abilities mm-hmm. but we had but the superhuman gene would indicate that it's it's evolutionary which you know if you look at how um, x-men the movie started they talk about the superhuman gene and mutation. So clearly that's a nice little nod to, I actually do think this is both civil war and secret invasion are building blocks to introducing the, the mutants into the world of the MCU. So what you're telling me is Priscilla is Mephisto confirmed. <laughs> we cracked the case. That's it right there. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely a Mephisto confirmed kind of moment. <laughs> That's cool. Good spot, man. Good spot. I didn't notice that. I was, I guess I was too busy staring at the masks on her wall. Um, we all wear masks, Fantasia. We all wear masks. And I mean, if we didn't know she was a scroll up front, those masks would have really been a dead giveaway. Like mm-hmm. 
if I knew scrolls were out and about and I went to somebody's house and they had those masks on the wall, I'd be like, I'd be that suspicious fry meme from uh, Futurama. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? uh, so that's, uh, but yeah, that's, that's a really cool scene, a really cool spot in that scene. I love the tension of them just bringing out their guns. Uh, it's a Wild West shootout, but then they can't bring themselves to shoot each other. Uh, so Priscilla is turning into this fascinating character. And now, you know, you just can't help but think like, Nick, where have you been hiding her all these years? Right? It's not like she's a like, civilian who needs to be protected. So you got to kind of like put her in witness identity, whatever. Like she seems like this lady can take care of herself. So I wonder where she's been. I wonder if that matters. Mm, that's a good question. I don't know. He's never mentioned her. He's never said, you know, I have people that I, like not even a mention of people I care about. Well, um, you, you never would. And then this is the line of the business, right? Because if, yeah. if people find that out, you would you would know kind of thing. So it's kind of a perfect kind of a perfect setup in order to disguise a character that's that's been in the background for a long time yeah he found the right way to do it it's it's not james bond has tried ethan hunt has tried they have not succeeded they could take a page of the fury's book that's it and it really kind of makes that poem more appropriate because to the outside world and to us until this very show nick fury has been a person who could not call himself beloved. We didn't know he had a wife. Maybe the closest thing he had to a friend on the planet is Maria. Yeah. So the the idea of her bringing that up, um, I feel like she was very pointedly saying that to her husband as if to say like, is this the life you want to keep living? Because that was, that flashback took place right after the first Avengers movie because I said it was 2012. So... I wonder if she was just kind of taking a little jab at him being like, okay, you put this group together. You did that thing you set out to do. I'm going to read you this poem and wink and, and, you know, give you an elbow to the ribs and be like, do you want to, you know, settle down now and maybe stop worrying about the spy stuff and just enjoy being a normal man. Um, So there's a lot going on on the show, man. There's a lot going on on the show. That's what I'm saying. There's 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 a lot of clear and present things that need to be dealt with before we even get anything like anything that we'd want something like comic book level. You know what I mean? Like in terms of because there's a solid story here. There is a solid story. I, it took me it took me some adjustment to get that because like because with these shows, there's kind of an expectation that you want to be you want to get a payoff. And in this show, it didn't seem like it's going to get a big payoff, like aside from getting Super Scrolls, which you kind of kind of knew was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're doing a good job, and this is uh, this is this is definitely now really paying off. And there's a clear and present story that needs to play itself. It needs to play out because if you just skip to certain parts, it's not gonna. We're not gonna. We're not gonna appreciate the why that we're waiting for. Right. And I'm I'm happy knowing that I went into the show with no expectations and I still don't have any expectations other than I I'm just looking forward to getting the question answered of why did we tell this story? Mm-hmm. And 
maybe, you know, that's on us as Marvel fans to go in with that attitude more often uh, because the expect the bar was set so high at the end of phase three that people went in with so many expectations for things. And then those same people walked out of phase four and said, phase four sucked. I hate Marvel now. Ruin my childhood. Ruin my child's childhood. So there's, there's, uh, there's something to be said for uh, expecting things to happen uh, and feeling like every Marvel story owes you these particular beats when that shouldn't be the case. Um, I went into this show thinking it was just going to be a really bland show about scrolls, which I don't care for anyway. Mm-hmm. And every episode by episode, it's been hooking me more and more. The first one I was like, yeah, it looks like that bland show about scrolls that I thought it was going to be. But now I'm just, I'm really invested in all the deep stuff that's going on here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, if you think about it too, like when the first Iron Man came out, they did not give you anything. Aside from the clear and present story of Tony Stark becoming Iron Man, um, and you know, I think I think Captain America was a bit more bolder uh, in terms of adding a lot more comic-y influences into its story with Arnim Zola and and Bucky and Howling Commandos, and there was a lot there. But like, yeah, if you look at stories like Iron Man, um, even Thor, Thor was a pretty centralized story beat with with clear kind of soap opery story um and uh in guardians is the same way guardians was a very focused story with a little little moments that like dropped some big comic-y payoffs you know what i mean like so it's it's definitely i think i think you kind of Endgame and Infinity War were like just pure payoff after payoff after payoff. And when you come off of that ride, you have such an expectation in every story moving forward, but you lose track of like good quality, good quality moments of storytelling and, and, and just focusing on good stories with good characters. And this is a good example of that. This is a good story with a character that we have loved since the first Iron Man film and it's his story. And that's, uh, that's something I've kind of learned to appreciate with this episode and kind of, I kind of get where Kevin Feige's going with like, Hey, we didn't put the wasp in, you know, civil war because there's a big story there already. And she would have been completely sidelined. Yeah. He didn't need her. Yeah. I didn't need her. Right. So it's it's one of those things where it's like we want to serve the story first. And I think Moon Knight's the same way. Like Moon Knight is a Moon Knight story. You don't need anything more than that. It would have been nice to, you know, maybe have other characters, but it's Moon Knight's story. And to add a character would have taken away from like the clear storytelling that was building in that. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I think She-Hulk also had issues cuz She-Hulk was trying to go for a solid story but got lost in the the beats of dropping in these random characters that that kind of in my opinion both worked for the story and worked against the story if you look at the first two episodes with her and i think it's the first two episodes with her and banner it's a good story and there's a really good story there but then the, it, it loses its reins when it gets into 
her being the lawyer and and like all these other characters intruding into her story like Wong and it it, it they try to keep it centralized but they get so lost in it and it's it's a shame because that was a good story about a good character with an incredible actor that I really wanted to play that character and it's and in the end I still love it but I think it could have been way better like way better and secret invasion this episode just proved to me that it's like you know what? You have a good character. You have a great story. Just enjoy the ride. Exactly, man. You put it so well. There's nothing about this show that meanders the way that the She-Hulk show tended to meander. And I loved that show and I loved She-Hulk and I can't wait to see She-Hulk again. Absolutely. Wherever she's going to show up. Like, she's so much fun. And God, did that show ever stay true to her? And that's hard to do. When you have a character who's that outside the box, sometimes literally... It's so hard to stay true to her and stay true to what the MCU is. And they did it both wonderfully. But yeah, they did get lost in their cameos and tied up in their side stories to the point where by the time you got to the last episode, you got that like Tinder douche who's just like, I'm the villain. And we're like, why were we going here? Like what what's what was this journey we just took? What was what was it serving? Other yeah. than like and and like I'm all for characters being represented equally, but that doesn't mean that you bring a character down in order to bring another character up. There's better ways to tell your story, and and to be honest, with all these different drops going on um, in her show, just that that villain payoff thing just didn't work. And it was fun to see her break the fourth wall, and I think that was a good way to save. <laughs> save these the series it really was but it that that villain didn't work and it and it and, and i that the the payoff of the villain not working and her breaking the fourth wall to fix it didn't hit as hard as it should have um even but like daredevil was a fun episode it was and like you could have done some really creative like maybe every court case was like there was an ulterior story of like another superhero that she met and the more and more she meets the more and more she becomes a superhero from learning from all the different heroes at once um you know like it would have been great if she worked with the heroes for hire for an episode that would have been really fun too uh but yeah with secret invasion graphic like the rise of a super scroll is a is a big story but in Fury's world is like the main story here that's really drawing me in is all I know now. And I kind of got it earlier, but this episode really kind of kind of levels the field in, in a way. But what I like about Fury's world is the only reason why he had all the advantages he did was because of the scrolls. You take yeah. that away from him and now he's literally just scrambling. But then you see this guy who though the world may seem super out of his control, you see that he gets, he adapts and he learns very quickly. And now he's learning to outsmart an enemy that has a lot of advantages and he's already figured out how to kind of get him out, how to get a one up on. And it's like, okay, that, yes, this is why I love this character. And now it's like, okay, now get to why, why is he here? What is he doing? And I don't think we're going to get it till like episode six, because I think we're going to spend episode five as as the aftermath of the battle and what that means for both sides. Like why? Like, what does that mean for Fury getting the president? Is he now going to be like this conspiracy guy of like we have aliens and scrolls and 
is the president going to believe him? Uh, and on the other side, why did the squirrels want the president? Aside from like obvious political gains that they'll get, but you know, now that they don't have that, they don't have that chip in there. What does that mean? Yeah, you're right. It's going to be uh, um, an epilogue to the battle and a sort of crescendo plan to the final thing. And then episode six ties it all up. Um, and I feel like we need five to deal emotionally with what happens here. Cause I was dumb about 12 minutes ago when I, I totally blanked when I said the only friend in the world Fury seemed to have was Maria. Cause I totally forgot. Taylor seems like he's his best bud. Uh, they, they have a, a, decades of a past. We just didn't really get to see it. We saw the beginning and the end. Um, but I love the, the relationship between Nick and Talos. And sorry, I shouldn't call him Nick. Or maybe I should because I'm a scroll impersonating Andrew. So yeah. uh, um, we lose Talos. Again, lose in quotes because who knows. But Talos seems like he died because uh, Gravik stabbed him with a big old well, knife. If, not, if, it, if it's a fake death thing. And there was, uh, there was another Marvel thing that did the fake death thing with Loki. Too much fake deaths with Loki. Lots of fake deaths with Loki. And it, it, with this very with this very episode, we've already had one fake death, right? And potentially, uh, two, what would be two actual deaths? So if you keep playing around with death, then fans are going to start to not be as invested because it's just it's such a coin toss of like it it ruins the 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 gravity of Fury really losing his friend. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. So please don't let that be ruined. Let it be a thing that's actually happening. Show us what Fury does when he reacts to this. How does he deal with Taylor? How does he learn from this? Because this guy served him to get to get a home, and, mm -hmm. and Fury didn't deliver on that. No. So I feel like what's going to happen here is just my guess. Um, but in the same way that. Gravik seems to me like he wants to become... Gravik feels like he doesn't care if he dies during this war because he's totally willing and happy to become a martyr to the rest of the Skrulls as a person who stood up to Earth for not giving them a home. And I feel like what's going to end up happening is Gravik is going to be defeated, but it's going to flip the script on him in a way he didn't foresee where the real martyr is going to become Talos. Uh, and he's going to be held up for believing in this ideal, which we ourselves in this very episode, Ryan called naive, but he's going to be held up for believing in that ideal that because they do a good thing for humans, humans will do a good thing back. And I think it's going to become a thing of Fury and the humans and the scrolls in unison all thinking like, isn't that, a much better way to think to just, you know, treat one another with kindness. Like Talos had it right. Uh, and I feel like that's going to be what gets propped up and, and sort of the hypothesis to everything that all these characters are going to learn from is instead of being these just dour, jaded spies who have to always cut these backroom deals and torture people and do all this, can't we just take a page from the book of the guy that we called naive and, and, you know, make the world a better place by just being a bit more like him? Absolutely, man. Why can't we follow Captain America's example? Right? 
I don't want to kill Nazis. I just don't like bullies. You'd be a good man. And that's it. That's it. It's it's a beautiful thing. So it's going to be an interesting two-episode finale here. I'm very, very curious as to as to if there's going to be like a, a, a kingpin size reveal in episode six. Listen, there's nothing the same size as kingpin, okay? That man is a postal code unto himself. Hey. <laughs> I, but I mean, like, I don't know. This form, formula so far could play out the same way. Um, I mean, even She-Hulk, the, the Daredevil episode was like two episodes away from the finale. Yeah. So it's it's a tricky, it's a tricky play. But there could be some big payoffs. But at the same time, yes, there's a lot of ground to cover. And, and my prediction is definitely episode five is an aftermath of the battle. It's because there were some big payoffs in this episode. Um, and and then there has to be some sort of, where is this going? We'll be lucky, I think, if there's any sort of uh, drop in terms of like progressing the story forward in terms of what this whole thing means uh, in episode five. Even if, it, even if it's near the end, I'd be very surprised. Um, but episode six is not, it will have like a big full on spy battle. I'll, I'll call it for a majority of the episode. And then like the last 20 minutes, give or take will be like payoff after payoff after payoff. I like the sound of that. Mm. There still could be a big, a big, like I say, kingpin character reveal or something like that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm also a little worried too, if Maria, is actually dead because if she isn't i don't know if that that will also make fans kind of just iffy about storytelling in general with marvel i don't know yeah they got to be real careful uh i mean i see so many people on twitter who are like bring back tony stark why like he's he's done served his purpose what more do you want from the man and, um, but the only reason why they want him back is because they want to see him stand with newer characters, right? Like they right. want him be with She-Hulk just for the sake of him standing in the same shot as She-Hulk or him standing in the same shot as whatever, whatever character that they, or like the X-Men, you know what I mean? Like they just want that moment. And it's mm-hmm. like, but what, how does it serve the story? And that's, I, I really have to say, like, I get what Kevin Feige means now is like, you know, we can't just throw in characters like because it won't serve the story. We want to, and I get it. Marvel's still kind of trying to find like really good storytelling, but but at the same time, is like you know, it's all it's it's more about what this character is, how this character is growing, and if a character, if a new character needs to be introduced to serve that, that's a different story. Guardians Volume Three is a perfect example. You know, right. they only introduced really Adam Warlock and the High Evolutionary. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And that's all you needed. And why? They both served a very specific purpose. Even Lila. Lila was a, was a comic book character as well. Lila served a very specific service, uh, purpose for the story. And it was such a big payoff emotionally because of the purpose it served. Yes. Yeah. So you don't want to be arbitrary with your characters and just be like, Hey, look, we got this person here. Here's Luke Cage's uncle. Like we, we just, we got to treat the story with respect and then everything in it will be good. And you don't even have to do the work. So whatever happens in these two episodes, 
they can introduce nobody new, and I'd be happy as long as it tells nice, satisfying conclusions of this tale we've been weaving for four weeks. Uh, yeah. And I think the, the show has been getting stronger as it's been going, so I hope they keep that trajectory up. Yep. Uh, I mean, fingers crossed. <laughs> so, Ryan, where can the people find you when you're not a scroll? Right now, you can find me on YouTube.com forward slash ExpertZone, as that is my job. And, uh, you know, I'm always talking about the latest and greatest Microsoft products and services. So stay tuned. Got a lot of great stuff coming. And you can find me at his competitor, Sony. No, that's a lie. You can't find me there. <laughs> Sony will not hire me or take my calls. Uh, you, you can find me on um, Twitter and Instagram at Andrew Fantasia, at Andrew underscore Fantasia, I think. Um, you can also find me uh, just about 50 to 60 feet from Haley Atwell's house because that's as close as the courts will let you get. And you can also buy my books on Amazon. Hey. Here's one right here. It's called We Were Wizards. It's a fantasy. There's wizards in it. There are zero scrolls in this book. Um, I'm sorry, but I can promise you, because this is a big deal to me as a writer, when characters die, they die. <laughs> There's no, oh, but uh, it wasn't his time yet, so the spirits brought him. No, they die. So you, you can rest easy knowing death is actually death in We Were Wizards. Mm -hmm. But until next time, uh, we will uh, we'll see what happens in the world of scrolls. I'm going to be uh, starting summer camp next week. So I don't know if we'll be able to get the episode up as soon as we have been getting it up because the camp schedule is kind of weird, but I'm going to do my best. But until then, everybody, please have a marvelous day.